Hi, this is Pastor Bob DeAndy, and join us again today for Student of the Word as we're taking up the subject of the Bible and national defense. What does the Bible mean when it says, Thou shalt not kill? Well, we'll find out from the Word of God today. It'll straighten out a lot of things in your life and bring great comfort to you to be able to stand up and fight for your nation. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to day number four of our teaching on the Bible and national defense. Glad to have you with us today. It's a great honor. You know, I think it's a great honor to live in the United States, although I didn't choose it. We're told in chapter 17 of Acts, Paul was preaching a sermon there said, God has predetermined the boundaries and the times of their habitation. Those are just two of the many things of God's sovereignty over the time of your birth, where you were born, what nation, what state, what city, what side of the city you were born on was God's choice. What time period? My daughter said to me one time, you know, because she she loved the music of the 1940s and she was, of course, born in 1970s, but the, the music of the 1940s, the, the freedom of our nation after we came out of war, the optimism and the, the industry and all that was going on, she said, I would have loved to live in the 1940s. I wish I could have been born around the time so I could enjoy the 1940s. I said, well, you weren't, so get over it, okay? You had no choice in that. And God chooses the time. In other words, you're even placed in a time period. People are saying today, we're so close to coming the Lord, man, I don't know if I like living today because, man, there's such agitation. You were born for such a time. This is when God chose to put you here. Wake up. Somebody else born earlier would not have fit in this generation. God purposely put you here, and he put you in the United States of America. I believe patriotism should be in the heart of every person, no matter what country they come from. Even if it's under communist nations, they should want that nation to return to the glory it used to have before communism came in. That is what God wants, and throughout the word of God, patriotism should be in our heart for the nation that we are coming from. After all, if I was born in Tulsa, then the food my mom and dad ate, all their, the things that were in them, produced me. I mean, the, the elements in their body produced me. I came from the ground of Oklahoma. I came from the ground of Tulsa. It's all part of me and therefore a love for this land. My wife and I, at one time, we were in California. We love Southern California and all that. The prices, even though they're high and today it's gone, extremely liberal. But I mean, at the time, we just loved the weather. We loved the And we said, look, it'd be nice to have just an apartment here to stay for a while. Maybe we could, after I retire and stay in the ministry like I am, I could do it from California. We thought about that. We found some places there. We thought about getting it. Never could quite connect with them. We'd look at something and be gone, sold. We'd come back the next year and the other ones were sold. And we kept thinking, this isn't working out. And we flew back to Tulsa after that, determined when we got back to Tulsa, we were going to purposely look hard and talk with somebody about finding a place in California. But when we landed in Tulsa, that day we landed in Tulsa, we looked at each other and both of us said the same thing. This is our home. There's something about this place that just attracts us here and keeps us here. Why? Because we were determined by God, this is where we were born, but this is where we would stay. That's not always true with everybody, but that's exactly what God was telling us. And since that time, we can go enjoy other places, but no, after it's over, we come back to where we belong. We were both born in Tulsa, raised in Tulsa, but more than that, our spiritual roots are in Tulsa. So again, we find that. And so this is what happens. You should be a patriot, not only for the, the 
country you're in, but the state you're in, the city you're in. There should be, a, again, a love for that. And some you're in places that are cold. You wish you could be in warm places, but I can tell you this. I've seen people move to warm places and they still, they miss the home they were from. And so again, it comes back to it. There's patriotism built in. That is part of what God called you to do. So again, this is what patriotism is all about, being attached to a nation, fighting for it, loving it, and in the worst of times, still sticking with it. And that's what I love about my own state, my own nation. And right now, the United States is going through terrible times right now. But you know what? I was born for such a time as this. This is where God put me. I'm an intercessor for this land. I'm to vote. I'm to be a patriot. I'm to fight for this country. I know I've eventually got a real home country I'm going to call heaven. But in the meantime, I am here and I'm going to fight for this nation. Love it. Stand with it. So it comes back to this. People often say when it comes to diplomacy, should we have peace conferences? Should we have diplomacy? The answer is yes, but never fully trust them. Have accountability. If we're going to sign a peace treaty, make sure there's accountability on the other side. We're going to check up on you. How many times do we have a nuclear agreement with some nation and they promise to be open? We can come and we can look. And when it comes to the first time, they say, no, we're not going to let you in. No, no, we're not going to do that. And they begin to back off on it. I think at that time is when we should just tear that sheet of paper up and say, we listen, this was part of your promise. This is what you agreed to. And now you're trying to push us in the other direction. It simply comes back to that old statement, walk softly and carry a big stick. Dick. Should we trust in them a little bit? Yes, enough to sit down with them. Is God for diplomacy? Yes. When it comes to marriage, talk it out. When it comes to, does your brother have ought against you? Go to him. Let's talk this out. Does your brother have ought against you? Go to him and let's talk this out. The Bible is filled with the fact whenever we have confrontation with people, even with God, God said, come now, let us reason together. He was talking to us, the body of Christ that we should come and reason with him around the word of God. And so we should come around one theme, and that is let's not go to war. Let's find out some other way to work this out. Let's not see the killing of people. And oftentimes, again, two nations will come together. But I would say in many, many, in fact, more than half the cases, you really can't trust those who you're sitting down with. Therefore, again, have peace conferences, but verify, verify, verify. Make sure that this thing is kept, again, as it was signed in this peace treaty. Many nations love war and then use peace conferences to plan for war. In other words, it's just a delay. I'll sit down and have a conference with you. Yes, we'll say we're going to do all this stuff, but it buys us more time to build up our military in secret because we plan on breaking this contract down the road. In fact, it's broken now as far as we're concerned. We're just going to act like we haven't broken it. We've seen this in North Korea. We've seen this in Iran. We've seen it in China. We've seen it from the Soviets. Look with me at Psalm 55 and verse 20. In this verse of scripture, I'm going to give you a number of verses of scripture where the Bible talks about peace conferences, and you can't really fully trust in them. It's all right to have them, and it's great when you get those signatures, but the most important thing is, do you keep the contract? Psalm 55, verse 20, and verse 21 says, he has put forth his hand against those who were at peace with him. He has broken his covenant. He's speaking about the enemy. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were smoother than oil and softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. He simply said their words did not portray their, their heart. The words coming out of them sounded good. And the things they talked about, the platitudes they used sounded wonderful. We went with them so far, but what we found out later on, they were lying through their teeth. 
Psalm 120, verses 6 and 7 tells us the same thing. And here, again, David speaking says, My soul has dealt too long with one who hates me. I am for peace, but when they speak, they are for war. In other words, I'll tell what's in my heart. They will speak words opposite of what's in their heart. And when they come against me and find me when they're for war, they show me all this peace treaty was really just not worth the paper it was written on. Psalm 140. Verses one and two, I'll give you just a moment to find that one. In Psalm 100 verses, well, verses one and two, Psalm 140, we have the same thing. Three times here, uh, David brings it out in the Psalm. Psalm 55, the first we looked at. Psalm 120, the last we looked at, verses six and seven. Here in Psalm 140, verses one and two, David says, deliver me, O God, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men who plan evil things in their heart. They continually gather together for war. So again, here we have it. Jeremiah brings it out. Turn to Jeremiah 6.14. I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture, but you know what? These are fun to look at. Again, that the Bible speaks more about you can't trust people when you come to peace treaties, but still try. But again, you can't trust them. And oftentimes we're dealing with nations that live for war. They built their nation on war. They are not a military defense. They're a military offense. They go to war purposely because they just simply want to consume and to uh, gather together and pull people together and make them a part of their nation whether they want to or not. They're just out to gather land gather riches, gather slaves of the people they bring in. And this has happened throughout history. And God again comes to our defense. And when Satan comes against us, God gives us defensive weapons to fight against them and to fight against Satan himself, against people who come against us. And God promises if we will stick with him, he will give us victory over our enemies. Let's take a look at Jeremiah chapter six. We're gonna take a look here in verse 14. It's also the same verses quoted two chapters later in chapter eight and verse 11. We're just gonna quote it from Jeremiah 6.14. So Jeremiah 6.14 also found in chapter eight and verse 11. They have healed the hurt of my people momentarily by saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. You know what this verse is saying? We come and sign a peace treaty. All the people at home are going, yay, we've signed a peace treaty. And then we're crying out, we're going to have peace with this nation. You know what? There was no peace at all because there was no peace in their heart. They just used it again as an opportunity to prepare even more for war. So God protects believers in war. So you say, yeah, but do we have to go to war? Sometimes you have to, but what do you do? You trust God in war. You know that as you believe and go in there and you believe in God, not only do you have your comrades around you fighting with you, you have angelic beings fighting with you. I think that story, again, I told it in the beginning of this particular broadcast uh, as I started here on this series, but I simply come back to this. When God sends us into battle, he promises he will protect us and God promises that he will be with us. And throughout the word of God, there are those times when God sticks with us and God promises he will never leave us nor forsake us. One was with Elisha and Elisha's servant was with him. And Elisha's servant came down and said, sir, we're outnumbered. I mean, the, the military's out there, they come against us and there's thousands and thousands against us and, and sir, we're just outnumbered. He said, no, there's more that be with us than those that be with them. He said, go out and take a second look. So the man went out there again the second time, like, okay, you know, I'm sure he came out the first time and went counted by legions. You know, there's 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, 50, there's 50,000 of them and one, two of us. Well, he went back out this time and yes, the same 
you know, 50,000 were out there. But behind that army, he saw the angels of heaven. He saw captains of hosts. He saw angels out there, war angels. He saw chariots of fire and horses outnumbering the enemy that came against him. And that's exactly what Elisha meant. He came back down and said, I saw them. He said, there's more that be with us than those that be with them. You may think you're outnumbered, but I simply want you to know this. No, the enemy coming against you is outnumbered by your army that stands behind and fights your battles with you. You're fighting from this side, God's fighting on that side, and together we're gonna win this battle. So God protects believers in war. I've seen it happen before. Friends of mine, Andrew Womack, a friend of mine, protected in war by the power of God when he went to Vietnam. And even looks back on those times, because he says, when I was there, I didn't know it was that bad. Now that I see videos of it, man, I was there. He said, I didn't know it was that bad. God protected me. And he said, I had peace through the entire thing. This is what God wants us to understand. The peace that we have through Jesus Christ gonna be our peace that we go into battle with and can protect our nation at the same time and bring us through to the peace of God that passes all understanding. I want you to understand something. You not only have those around you fighting, you have Jesus Christ himself, a host of angels surrounding you. When we come back after halftime, when we come back after the break, we'll continue this and talk from scripture how God protects believers in the midst of war. What does the Bible have to say about war and the price of our freedom? Should Christians fight to defend their country? Is world peace even possible? In the Bible and National Defense, Bob Yandian discusses the Bible's answer to these questions, as well as how we, as Christians, are to pray for our nation and our leaders. Topics include the purpose of government, crime and immorality, capital punishment, separation of church and state, and freedom and war. The strength of a nation is the people of God. By prayer and applying God's word, we can make a difference. To order the Bible and National Defense, visit our website at bobyendian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. 
Turn with me to Psalm 27 and verse 3. We'll go after that to Psalm 91, and we'll talk about how that God protects believers in war. And for those of you watching right now, again, I want to thank all of you who have been with me for so long. I mean, this I'm now in geez, many years into this particular uh television broadcast that I've been doing, and it's just grown uh, numerically. I've got more and more broadcasts going all the time. I do have, I am, all, I am on YouTube, and you can find all the archives on YouTube that are there, but I'm also on a number of uh, television stations. I don't know which particular station you're watching right now, but thanks for watching. And for those who are watching, and maybe you just just joined us, I trust you enjoy this. I, I, there's no, there's really not a broadcast like mine. I mean, there's everybody's got their individual talents and individual callings, but mine is to just teach the Word of God. Verse by verse, line upon line. I love to, I like to let the word speak for itself. I don't have to explain to you the scripture so much. I can open up the scripture, point out some things, but the Holy Spirit's the one that really brings the illumination. And the way that God speaks mostly is through his word. And so much is there. I'd just love to dig it out and find it and all that. That's my calling. Uh, listen, again, I've said this before. I love to see people saved, but my greatest love is to see people discipled. When they get saved, there's rejoicing in heaven. When they grow up, there's rejoicing in me. And that's that pastoral side of me that I that I pastored for 33 years, enjoyed. Man, I love seeing people get saved, but the greatest thrill I got was to see people that got saved. They didn't have a job. Their family was falling apart. The kids were rebellious, that kind of thing. And through the months, their family got stronger. They got a greater opportunity in a job. They became givers in the church. And then to one day see that person, that family called into the ministry. They become missionaries. They they go and start a church somewhere. And to me, that's the greatest thing, knowing that they're going to reduplicate all they had in this church and it's going to keep going and going and going. And one of the greatest things I have today, I call them grand churches. I go to speak in grand churches. You know what that is? It's people that went from my church, went and started a church, and now they're retiring, turning it over to somebody else. And that pastor has become now a grand church or a grandchild in the ministry of mine. I've gone to churches and I'll tell these young people, they're pastoring, how do did you hear about me? And they said, my pastor came from your church. His, his, his shelves were lined with your books and he had your cassette tapes and your CDs and all the downloads you have. And so he said, thank, and they say, thank you for it. That is my greatest thrill. If you would like to be a supporter of this broadcast, it has affected you, shown you things, revealed you things out of God's word you never saw before. Become a partner with me. Help me duplicate this over and over again like I did in the church where I didn't do it by myself. I had thousands in that church that joined me as partners to help push this gospel out and this ministry out and the study of the word of God. You can do the same thing. Go to bobyandian.com. There you'll find a place where you can become a partner with me in this ministry. Thank you ahead of time for doing that. I love to see those letters come in. I become a partner with you. Hallelujah. All right, let's go to Psalm 27 and verse three. We're gonna take a look at a number of scriptures that tells us God protects you in battle. A believer who trusts in the Lord finds safety in the midst of controversy, in the midst of battle, Satan other nations coming against you. Psalm 27 and verse three here, David said, though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. He says, in the midst of war, I do not have fear, I have confidence. And what is your fear uh, based on, your fear of Satan? He says, I don't have that. I don't have fear of even my life. Here's the point of it is, even if I did die to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, Lord, 
And he says here, though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. And he says, I have confidence in the midst of the battle. Why? Because my trust is not in my weapon alone. My confidence is in the Lord, my God, who really causes the enemy to stumble and to fall. Psalm 91 and verse seven says this, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. This is God speaking to you. We had a man come to our church, uh, when my wife and I met in the church we were in, we had a young man who was in the military. He came back a number of times. I think I told you the story earlier this week for those who were watching it. He actually produced a helmet and in the front of it was a bullet hole. And he said, I had this bullet hole. He says, I know I was hit. He said, I, I, heard, I felt it hit my helmet. He said, it never went into my head. Somewhere between my helmet and my head, it disappeared. We never did find the bullet, but he held up the, that and there was a hole in the front of his helmet, but he said, it didn't get into me. And then he turned the helmet over and inside he had this scripture written in it. And the scripture he had inside written out, typed out, and then taped inside of his helmet was this, Psalm 91 and verse seven, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. This verse says 11,000 people, a thousand on one side and 10,000 on the other. He says, they're all gonna fall, but I won't. Job chapter five and verse 20 says this. Here we have another verse of God protecting you in the midst of war. In Job 5.20, it says, in famine, he will redeem you from death and in war from the power of the sword. Man, the word of God is filled with so much about God protecting you in the midst of what the nation is going through and your battle. So a nation should rely on ministers of the word of God for war planning. We have this in our early nation too. Back in our history, and I'm sure they took their plans for this from the word of God, but simply says, when you go to war, don't just pull out all these military guys and don't pull out all the guys that are strategists of war. Also bring in ministers who can tell you what the word of God says about going to war, because ultimately we're not gonna totally depend on our plans because our plans are set in opposition against the enemy's plans. We don't know, perhaps they know more than we do, but I have something greater than what I know. I have what God knows and God is gonna preserve me in the midst of battle. A nation should rely on ministers of the word of God to help with war planning. And again, the pictures we have, the history of our nation, is it not only when the military got together and even the founding of our nation, we had ministers who came to help us establish this nation. The word is our primary counsel for war. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 18. Plans are established by counsel. By wise counsel, we wage war. Verse of scripture, it could be any plainer than that. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse six. By wise counsel, you will wage your own war and in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. The multitude of counselors here is not just war counselors, not even just ministers. The multitude of counselors means the multitude of scriptures. Look at the scriptures that have to do with you waging war and the scriptures that promise you God will preserve you in the midst of war. Find a multitude of counselors, a multitude of military counselors, a multitude of spiritual counselors, but also a multitude of scriptures. Surround yourself with those because there's nothing better in battle when you're being fought at on every side that a scripture comes to you. I had a man in my congregation tell me one time, he said, I prayed for 
guidance and all I got was scripture. That's the greatest guidance you could get. Oftentimes, again, we miss the supernatural because we're looking for the spectacular. And God says, no, just a verse coming to you is supernatural. Just a verse coming to you is a miracle because by that verse of scripture, I built the entire universe. I built my entire plan for Jesus going to the cross. I built my entire plan for all of eternity yet to come. And with that, it'll bring you counsel. It will bring you peace. It will bring you uh, direction in the midst of war and bring comfort to your heart. So again, Proverbs 24, verse six, by wise counsel, you will wage your own war. And in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Ministers should encourage young men that going to war not to fear. Faith in the Lord will give them courage. And so ministers here, pastors, Tell your young men in the congregation that we want you to go to war. We want you to fight for this nation. We will stand with you as a church, but we want you to take the teachings you have. And in fact, here's Bob's book and you can have that. Give it to your men going into war. Give it to young men that are thinking about going in the military. Give them the book on the Bible and national defense because why? Faith in the Lord will give them courage in the midst of the battle. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 20. Deuteronomy chapter 20, take a look at verses two and three. And here we have it again again, that what he's saying is there should be help by the word of God. People should come and give you counsel from the word. And especially when you're in battle, it's great to surround yourself. I know today that those in the military, those that are called there to, you know, to be the uh, ones that give the word of God are not again, not the greatest. And many of them are denominational people are even often told to be liberal and not to bring specific things, but there's nothing better than to have someone in the military call there to be a counselor in the military, bring them back to spiritual things, but do it through the word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses two and three. So it shall be when you're on the verge of battle that the priests will approach and speak to the people. And he shall say to them, hear, O Israel, today on the verge of battle with your enemies, do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid. Do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God, he goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and delivers you. Notice again why the role of the ministers to come in there. And those ministers come in and offer spiritual counsel from the word of God. And he's simply telling them, don't just put your trust in your weapons. Don't just put your trust in whatever the military strategies are. That's fine. But let your greatest trust be in the Lord who knows the hearts of the enemy, knows the plans of the enemy, knows ahead of time all these things. The foreknowledge of God has gone ahead of you and knows even how they're going to plan coming against you. And since God is on your side, he's going to bring you through this thing and you'll win on the other side. What are the biblical objectives to war and national defense? All right, let's talk about this. We'll uh, get in this and then tomorrow we will get into the last part of it, the next section of this particular teaching. What are the biblical objections to war and then going to war and national defense? The first one is what about thou shalt not kill? Well, does the Bible contradict itself? I ask you the first question. Doesn't the Bible say thou shalt not kill? Yes, it does. But it also says in Ecclesiastes chapter three and verse three, there is a time to kill and there is a time to heal. Does the Bible contradict itself? The answer is no. These verses complement each other. And even though they seemingly contradict each other, no, they actually complement. They're talking about two different times in the Christian life. We will take this up in our next lesson as we get deeper into it. But let me just say, this about scriptures that seemingly contradict. Instead of throwing your Bible and say, ah, the Bible contradicts itself, it never contradicts itself. 
stay and find the context of it, and you'll find out the context of thou shalt not kill is totally different than the context of there is a time to kill and there is a time to heal. God is telling us there's different circumstances in life and different sides of this have come and different scriptures, even though they seemingly contradict, do not contradict. They have a time and a place where they are to be brought together. And so this comes back to it again. We'll take this up again. We're going to take up all different things. Biblical objections to war. All right. People say, well, I, I think the scripture says this. Well, straighten out what the scripture says as far as you're concerned, show you what God was actually saying. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, bring confidence and great skill to you by honoring God and understand if God is the one that gave you weapons of warfare in Ephesians chapter six, breastplate, sword, helmet, shoes, all the different things, he will also make sure that you are protected when you go to natural battle for your country. I'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.